Oh, good morning, guys. It's good to see you all um, this morning. Welcome again to our Sunday morning service. And uh, I pray that your day and your evening tonight is a blessing. Um, what, a, what a blessing, you know, to be able to, uh, whatever you're doing this evening, to, to remember uh, the blessings of the Lord uh, uh, throughout the year. And this morning, uh, I want to share with you some thoughts um, around that. And so let's pray. Let's ask God's, let's ask God's blessing on, on his word this morning and thank him for so many things that uh, he's done for us and so many things that he is going to do for us in the new year as, as well. So let's just spend a moment to commit this time to the Lord and just to remember him in thankfulness of heart this morning. Father in heaven, we, your church, just acknowledge you and all that you've done, Lord. You are a good and perfect God who loves your people, who follows us, Lord God, in mercy, with mercy and truth all the days of our lives. And Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for every person that is here. We thank you, Lord God, for sustaining us this year. For being your hand upon us in all things. For guiding our steps in all the changes. In the things that have happened, the things that are about to happen. For all the baptisms this year. The people who have put their hand to the service this year. For the babies born, the weddings held, and for those things that are about to happen as well. We don't take for granted, Lord, all these things as gifts from you. And every person whose heart this year is drawn closer to you out of a love for you and what you've done for them, we are truly grateful. And so, Father, we open our hearts this morning to listen to your word. And as a church, we again declare that you are the Lord of this place. You are the center of everything we do. So may you speak. May you speak as the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to share with you or begin to share with you a passage from Psalms, some book of Psalms, Psalm 139. I'm not going to read every ver- uh, probably every verse in this psalm, but I do want to share with you little aspects of it this morning and, and God willing next week as well as we cross over, as we cross over the new year. And uh, I think this is timely for me anyway. This, I think this is an, uh, something that would be helpful and appropriate for us to reflect on as we go from one year to the next. And I'd like to read a few verses from, it, from, from, this, from this passage um, this morning and share with you some reflections. But it is the last day of the year, isn't it? It's the last day of the year, and it's kind of a quite nice to uh, be able to have church together and have fellowship together on the very last day of the year uh, as we acknowledge and as we reflect and as we you know, contemplate the year that's gone, gone past. And it's a beautiful opportunity I can, like, for me even to be able to say to you, Happy New Year, because I won't see you tomorrow, a lot of you, but you know, to be able to bless you guys with 
um, with blessings of, of the Lord. And, and so when you reflect on, on our year, I'm sure there are a lot of things that uh, people have reflected or perhaps reflected on. And I know that our experiences are quite varied. I know that um, uh, you know, everyone's going to be able to reflect on this year in a very, very different way to the other person. Um, even the person sitting right next to you, you know, your own experiences can be very, very different to them. But how are you all? Like, how are you? You know, like, how's, how's the year been? How's it, how's it gone for you this year? You know, some of you have started coming to the fellowship for the first time this year, and you've perhaps found a, a new home for you to learn and grow and, 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 and spiritually, you know, grow stronger, God willing. But, but, um, you know, how are you? You know, it's an, interesting, it's a very, it's an interesting question when we say to someone, how are you, how are you going? Because depending on, depending on who's asking you and depending on where they're asking you, you might choose to answer differently, you know. Um, if you and I were just talking somewhere privately and I was saying, how are you going? You know, how are you going? You might choose to give me a little bit more of how you're going, you know. Um, maybe then if I stopped and I said, okay, but really, you know, deep down, how are you really going, you know? Maybe you'd be prepared to give me a, even a little bit more on how you're actually going. But, but if I asked someone to come to the front this morning and, and ha- like, had a bit of a Q&A and I said to them, how are you going? How are you going? I'm sure they're not going to give me as much, you know, in front, of, in front of everybody, you know, because we sort of, we kind of chop and change a little bit depending on our circumstance or depending on who's asking us in what context they're asking us, um, in front of who they're asking us. But, but just this morning, let me, I guess, ask you, for you to be thinking to yourself, and I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand or come to the front or anything like that, but, but how are you going? If you could be really honest with me, if you could be really honest with me, if we could have five, ten minutes to talk, and you could tell me really honestly how you're going, you know, with no embarrassment, no fear of judgment, no sense of what is he going to think of me, he's going to tell people. Just genuinely you could share with me, how are you going? What would you say? You've had a whole year, ups and downs, challenges and joys, unexpected things and expected things happen to you. But how are you going? That's what I'm most interested in. That's really I'm most interested when people talk about, you know, um, church leadership or people shepherding and, and looking after people in the church. At the end of the day, my 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 greatest I guess my greatest desire and my 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 heart is to to know how are you, how are you, you know. And some people and for a lot of you people you hear me every week, you know, and and uh, good on you for doing that. You, know, you hear me every week. Um, and then for some of you, I get the opportunity throughout the year to spend some time more one-to-one with and have a bit more of a conversation with and get to, to know you as well too. But, but how are you? And this is a beautiful opportunity for us to just to stop and think and reflect on the very things that God is doing in our lives. Now, I'm not asking you to pretend and I'm not asking you to give me something that you think I want to hear. I'm not asking you to give me something that you think we, we need to hear. But all I want to know is the truth. How are you? Because there's something really beautiful and very powerful about you being honest with you and you being honest with yourself and to be able to say, Lord, this is how I am. This is how I really am. And don't you think that's what God's most interested in as well? Isn't isn't that what God... Don't you think that's what, at the end of the day, God is most interested in? Imagine trying to fool God. (laughs) Imagine trying to 
um, manipulate and pretend something to God and a God and say to him you know God says how are you going and, and you're kind of trying to fudge your answer in some ways as, as, is, as if not everything is opened and, and uh, in the, to the eyes of God and clear to the eyes of God and, and that's all God is, God is really interested in and so you can imagine the disciples day by day living with Jesus and they get up in the morning and big stretch and goes up to his disciples how are you going this morning I'm sure they would, have been, they would have found themselves opportunity every day to tell him exactly how they were feeling, exactly how the day was. Or in the evening when he got together with them and maybe having a meal and, how was your day? And, oh, yeah, it was good because of this. I was hard because of this. But Peter, how did you really find that? You know, I'm sure Peter had this beautiful opportunity to share with him every day. Lord, it was hard today. They wouldn't listen to me. I tried my best, Lord. I, feel I, I felt like I failed you. It's okay, Peter. Let's talk about it. Why do you think you failed me? And so this opportunity for the Lord and us to come, and, and you get this sense of, of, of this intimacy between um, the Lord and his disciples. Because um, that's who God is. The Word made flesh. And dwelt among us. And what we saw in Jesus and what we read about in Jesus is what we know about God just in the flesh. Just in the flesh. Relating to his people. But I'm sure if you, if you reflect over the year, there are many things that God, um, you would say, has blessed your year with. And during prayer this morning before church, we gathered and before we even prayed, we spent some time just... Uh, saying to one another how God has, what, how we are thankful to the Lord. Because there are many things that God has blessed us with here with and uh, or many gifts that come from above that God has given us, hasn't he? You look around you, think about the people in your life, the things that you've done and the many things that God has, has gifted you with. And so what is his purpose for you into 2024? What is God purposing for you into 2024? Some of you might already have plans. This is going to happen and I plan to do this and I expect to be doing this and this is the goal that I have for, for next year. And, and by God's grace, and as James tells us, if it's the Lord's will, these things will happen. And that would be beautiful. I'd be, I'll be the first one to celebrate with you that these things are coming to pass for you. But what is his purpose for you? In 2024. Because sometimes our plans and our intentions aren't exactly aligned with the purpose of God. And, and we want to always be in the purpose of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 65, it says, You crown the year with goodness. Can you imagine God doing that? You crown the year with goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. You crown the year with goodness, Lord. And do you know the paths? Well, you just drip them with abundance. <laughs> what is there that God is not able to do? What is there that the Lord, as you enter into 2024, with one clear intention in mind, and that is to put him first in everything and to make him your greatest love, what is there that God isn't going to do to be able to crown your year with goodness and make sure your paths drip with abundance? How beautiful to say, Lord, the only path I want to walk on next year is the path that has you at the centre of it. 
The only crown I want to wear next year isn't the crown that people want to give me, isn't the crown that people think I deserve, but the crown that you give me, the crown that is full of goodness. Because, Lord, you're my greatest love. You're the one that I love above all other things in life. You're the love above all loves. You are my first love. And how great, how beautiful to know that if we go into the year with this in mind, that this is, here's a God who says I, that, that I am able to crown the year with goodness and make your paths drip with abundance. So there are so many stories in the Bible that actually give us a kind of like an inspiration, if you like. There are so many, and I'm sure as you've read the scriptures throughout the year, you have been inspired from the different stories and maybe looked to, looked to different stories for inspiration around certain life and ways that we live life. For example, there are stories of faith. And maybe there have been times in your life this year that you've thought to yourself, I've needed faith. I've really needed faith, Lord, and, and I want to build my faith. I want to strengthen my faith. And you've gone to stories of faith. Or perhaps you've read, as you're reading the Bible, you have come across stories that have strengthened your faith or inspired your faith. Yeah? So there's stories of faith, like the, the story of David and Goliath. You know, it's a classic story, but we often go to it as a story of faith because here he is, a young boy. How in the world is he going to be able to come across something bigger, stronger than him Yeah, as a, as a way to describe things in life? And we know it's a true story, but we know God teaches it up to us because our faith at times need to be strengthened. So we go to these stories and perhaps this morning you've thought about the year and and, um, and you've thought about stories like this story who have been there to build your faith. Or stories of courage. If I tell you, it's, what are some of the stories of courage in the scriptures that have uh, inspired you to become courageous in how you live life among your friends and family and colleagues and children? You know, what has inspired you to have courage in the kinds of things that God has called you to? You know, I've just got here Daniel and the lion's den or the den of lions. Again, a man who chose, despite the changes of the law in society, to keep doing what he always did faithfully to the Lord. Does that sound like anybody? A man who thought, even though you change how you want to do things in the world, I'm not going to change how I do things in God. So he opens up his windows like he always does and just prayed. Found himself in the den of lions where God shut their mouths and he inspires the king. There's no other God than the God of Daniel. Story of courage. You know, Lord, I want to be like Daniel. I want to be like, I want to, I want to live life like I always live, despite how this fast this world is changing and making it further and further away from you. Maybe that's, that's, maybe that's the story that has continued to um, give you that courage. What about stories of hope? Stories of hope in the scripture. You know, I think about those men who took their friend to, the, to see Jesus and it was full of people, crowded house that couldn't actually fit them through the doors. And so their hope was they had to see Jesus. This was the hope that they had. And so they went to the ceiling, to the roof and let him down that way because their hope was Jesus could help him. 
And they weren't going to let anything get in the way between their friend and Jesus. And so full of hope and full of faith, they go to the, the lengths of going up into the roof of the house and to let their friend down. Again, so many stories of inspiration, stories of service. How in the world do we understand that Jesus, the Son of God, decided that he would bow down and wash his disciples' feet? How do we even understand that? How do we comprehend that the Son of God would lower himself and do the job of a servant and wash the feet of his disciples? But doesn't that story inspire us? Throughout the year, there's been times, I'm sure, in your own service that you've thought to yourself, why do I keep doing what I do? And then you might read stories like this and they continue to inspire you. Jesus just washing the feet of his disciples. But maybe, maybe, for me at least, the stories that continue to be the greatest stories of inspiration in the scriptures is the stories of love. And maybe that's the same for you. Because isn't the Bible the greatest love story? Isn't it? From beginning to the end. Isn't it the greatest love story you've ever read? And when I read stories like this, Jesus sitting around with his disciples, and then you read this little one verse that jumps out and says, and John leaning his head on his chest. Boy. Wouldn't you have loved to have done that? Wouldn't you have loved to have done that? Been, a, been sitting around the table with the disciples and having the honour and the privilege. And I can't imagine Jesus having John in his chest. I can't imagine Jesus going like that, you know. Yeah, whatever, John, you know. I can imagine Jesus like looking at him and like this, you know. Who knows, maybe even just stroking his hair, I don't know. I can imagine this, this love, this intimacy between John and Jesus and, and his disciples. And, 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 and perhaps, if you're like me, the stories that perhaps inspire you the most are the stories of love. And what drove people to do things, what motivated people to do things, was their love for God and their love for people. The great commands of the scripture. So I think it's timely anyway for me. I think it's timely and it's appropriate to share with you probably one of the most intimate love songs in the scriptures. The story or the song of love. We have a lot of love songs out in the world today, but perhaps one of the greatest love songs is in Psalm 139. And as we read this, I pray that it inspires you today to go into next year making Jesus your greatest love. And may your biggest resolution, I love resolutions, I'm a big fan of resolutions. And I, make, I tend to make several at the start, or make, set myself goals at least. But may the biggest resolution we set next year is to make Jesus the most precious relationship we can ever have. The greatest love that we could ever know. But to do that, we're going to wrestle. 
we're going to wrestle the other things that want to get in the way of the greatest love that, he, that we can have in our life. Do you understand that? We're going to wrestle other things. We're going to wrestle other things that want to have our love. Other things, other people, other possessions, other idols that are going to want to take our love. And I'm asking you this morning to consider this as we go through and look at some of this, this psalm. As we go through and consider this morning to make Jesus your greatest love above all loves. Your first love in everything. So Psalm 139, the greatest love, one of the beautiful love songs in the scriptures. Um, let's read it from, just we'll read, this, we'll read verses 1 to 6 just to start us off. And I'll just share a couple of thoughts before we finish this morning. Psalm one to, uh, verses 1 to 6, it says, the, the, the psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What a beautiful start to a song. What a beautiful expression of not only the psalmist's love, but his understanding of the Lord's love for him. And I, perhaps I can, I can start even with verse 6. I mean, how do I even explain to you something? Verse 6, how do I even explain to you something that is... He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. How do I even go? To, how do I even attempt to try and explain something to you this morning that to the psalmist is unattainable? It's, it's quite remarkable. How do I explain the depths of the intimacy of God's love to even he is saying, I can't attain to it. And yet I'm going to in some feeble, simple way, I'm trying to explain to you this morning something of the love of God. So it says in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and you've known me and you've known me. You have searched me and known me. I think the Bible says this because God's love or God's knowledge of us is so great. Listen carefully. God's knowledge of us is so great because his love for us is so great. Let me try and explain what I mean by that. You don't think much of someone you don't love much of, do you? Usually, the people you think often of and fondly of and in a happy way of, are the people you care about and the people you love. And God's searching and knowing of the psalmist isn't because God one day thought to himself, oh, I better search him and know him, 
because God's omniscient. God knows him all the time. God knew him before he was even born. But this awareness in the psalmist's heart and mind, this kind of awareness that came to him one day that said, Lord, you know me. You've searched me. Because of how great your love is for me, you cannot stop thinking of me. So this this awareness now for the psalmist to understand of how much God knows him. An awareness because this realization, this is how much you know me, God, because of how much you love me. Didn't Jesus say it this way? Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Didn't Jesus try and say it in a different way? God knows you so much that he considers even the very hairs of your head worthy to be numbered. What does that bother? Why does it even God bothered with that? Like, what makes it even? Why would should we even be told about that? Because there is something for us to understand this: that God searches and God knows, and the only reason He does that of the amount of love He has towards His people. That He would even do that. In fact, if you go down a little bit in the psalm that you're in. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, he's, the psalmist goes on to say, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I am still with you. Do you understand that? This is how much the psalmist began to understand more and more of the, the intensity and the intimacy of God's love for him. He says, you know what? You are thinking about me so much that even if I added up all your thoughts, it's like the sand of the sea. Someone who is head over heels in love with someone. Someone who cannot stop thinking about someone. Someone who desires to be intimate and to know someone to this extent. And the psalmist is beginning to understand this. And I'm hoping and praying that you begin to understand this as well. It's hard, isn't it, to understand? Unless you know someone or you've met someone like this, it's hard to comprehend someone who's completely, madly in love with you. (laughs) That doesn't stop thinking about you. Constantly. More than the sand of the sea. It's hard to comprehend it unless you've experienced it to some extent. And yet still you would not have experienced it in the way God does it for you. That he becomes your greatest love and my prayer that he also becomes your greatest purpose. So we can go into this new year knowing that God wants to know us intimately. But we need to understand something. That in him wanting to become every part of our life, we need to also desire for him to be exactly that. 
that he's wanting so much to be so intimately involved in everything that we do that we are prepared to say, Lord, because you want this and because this is who you are, I gladly allow you to be part of everything of me. That I'll step forward knowing that I won't try and make part of my life you and then part of my life something else because it doesn't even make sense to you, Lord. That I would go into next year believing with all my heart that the same God who wants and knows me so intimately is the same God who wants to be part of everything in my life as well. Because I think sometimes there's a bit of an issue with the way we split life. We make some things Christian or more Christian (laughs) and we make some things less Christian. I'll give you some examples. Like we say, for example, um, I go to work, that's life. I go to church, that's Christian. Is it? Oh, look at this one here. I bake a cake at home, that's life. I have a Bible study in my home, that's Christian. Is it? I thought everything was Christian. God's so intimately woven into every part of my life, so much of the sand of the sea, that when you're baking a cake, I reckon he's thinking, oh, tell me more about the cake. Because he's so woven into everything, we can't separate him. That's why some people call this practicing the presence of God. Because we are so overly, we are so overwhelmed in such a beautiful way that God's so involved in everything in our lives that we cannot separate him from anything we do. We honor him and bless him in every part of our lives. Oh, what about this one? I go for a walk, that's life. But when I, I put tracks in letterboxes when I go for a walk, that's Christian. As if we, we've made it Christian. Is it? Or is everything that I do Christian? And I love the fact that God is involved in everything. Lord, you have searched me and known me. Do you understand? You have searched me and you have known me. So, let me finish. I think it is a good time to make changes, brothers and sisters. I think this is a really good time to make changes. But we need to think about the changes that uh, we can't ignore. I love the fact that we want to make resolutions. Maybe some of you want to get healthier this year, next year. That's a good thing. Maybe some of you want to learn a new skill next year. That's a great thing. Maybe some of you want to study in a certain area. That's fantastic. Maybe some of you want to, I don't know, um, run a certain amount of kilometers. Fantastic. Go and do your resolutions. But do not ignore, in the doing of all your resolutions, do not ignore the things that are most significant to the Lord. Not that none of them are, So not that none of them are not, but do not ignore the secrets of the heart. Yeah? Don't ignore those things that get in the way of making the Lord your greatest love. Do those? Absolutely. Do them with all your heart. 
But don't ignore the secrets of the heart. Because sometimes it's easier to change and make resolutions for those things that are outward, that people can see. Oh, you need to lose a bit of weight. Not that they would tell you that, you know. But sometimes you can't ignore, you shouldn't ignore the secrets of the heart. And while you're going ahead and having a the joy of your life changing things outwardly and other things that are going on. Don't forget things like the anxieties of your heart, the unhelpful anxieties of your heart. What are you going to do with them? Where are you going to take them? Who are you going to give them to? The unhelpful ones that get in the way of living life freely. The unhelpful ones that get in the way of living life as God has intended us to live. The attitudes of the heart, the attitudes that don't help. You know, sometimes we carry around attitudes in our heart that aren't helpful. Attitudes about family, attitudes about work, attitudes about people. Make sure not to neglect these things as we go in to make our resolutions. The grudges we carry in our hearts. Let's not ignore those things because God who is so intimately aware of in our lives knows that we might carry a grudge towards those in our lives, even those very close to us. Let's not ignore the grudges in our hearts. Let's not, not, let's not ignore the unhealthy pleasures in our hearts. The things we do maybe and say that aren't helpful and healthy for us. We call them pleasures, but they're not pleasures really. They're unhealthy and they are dangerous. Let's not, let's not ignore the favoritism that might be in our hearts. You know, we favor some people above others. We show partiality to some and not to other people. We look outwardly and we lean towards some groups more than other groups. Let's not ignore those things. Let's not ignore the secret habits of our hearts. The things that we do that we would be embarrassed to tell other people about. See, all I'm really saying is this. That in all the things we want to change next year to a God who already knows us intimately anyway, then let's just be honest with him and say, Lord, you know it's there anyway. So this is the greatest resolution I want to bring before you. See this grudge that I've got in my heart? You know it's there anyway, Lord. I want to deal with it next year. I want to deal with it today. The favoritism, the unhealthy pleasures, the secret habits, the grudges, the attitudes. Psalmist said, you've searched me and known me. God knows, it's all clear to him. It's like God saying to the psalmist, how are you? The psalmist saying, yeah, good. And then God saying, but how are you really? And it's got to start with being honest. Psalm 6 says this, the psalmist says this, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O oh Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. How honest the prayer is that. He didn't pretend before his God. He says, God, have mercy on me because I'm weak. Heal me because my bones are troubled. And it begins today in saying, Lord, you know me intimately. You've searched me and you've known me. Every thought about you added up is like the sands of the sea. So Lord, who am I to hide it from you? Yes, I'm making all these resolutions, but here are the true and secrets of my heart that I need to resolve once and for all. Does that make sense? I come honestly before you, Lord. I come honestly to bring them before you. 
because I want to deal with them once and for all. What a beautiful thing to say to God this day. What a beautiful thing to say to God as we move into a new year. This is your year, Lord, and this is your heart. And I want to make next year as intimate as you want it to be with me. That no other loves get in the way. And I want next year to be as purposeful as you want it to be. That nothing else gets in the way. What a beautiful prayer that we can pray to God today. Would you pray that with me? Would you pray and really make it your prayer? That Lord, the God who sees all things and knows all things, I don't want anything to get in the way of my intimacy with you, just like you don't want it with me. So I lay it down. Let's pray together. Let's ask God this morning, as we just begin to look at this beautiful, beautiful love song, and we think, Lord, if, boy, if you love me this much, if you, if it's so great that it can't even be understood, if your thoughts are so precious that they can't even be numbered, then who am I, Lord God, to try and keep anything from you to a God who sees it already anyway? And he sees it because he wants to heal and to respond. So as we come before the Lord this morning, let's just spend a moment in prayer before we sing together. And in your own way and in your own words, thank him for the year that you've had. Thank him for the the plans that you have for next year. And thank him that is, he reveals the intimate parts of our hearts, the secret parts of our hearts. That we can lay them before his feet and say, Lord, in all the things I resolve next year, I resolve to have this healed. And only by your grace, Lord God, I bring it before you. I want us this morning, before we sing, to imagine that we are John leaning on his chest. And he's inviting us to share with him the depths of our hearts, the secrets of our hearts. And he's promising, maybe he's even whispering, I will help you. I will resolve it. I will fix it. I will heal it. Bring it to me. A lingering grudge, an unforgiveness, a lust, a fear, an anxiety of some kind that's debilitating you, bring it, bring it. Allow me to be your healer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son and we thank you for the love that he has shown us in every day of our lives. As we just imagine this morning, Lord, leaning on your chest lord jesus and you asking us how are we and us being able to share with you every secret every depth of our hearts you're god who cares 
And you're God, Lord, who wants to draw out everything. That there is nothing between you and us. So, Father, we pray this morning. May we take this and resolve this going into a new year. That you are our greatest love. You are our first love. You are the love above all loves. And we want to love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. Bless your people, Lord. Let your face shine upon them. Guard them as they move into another year. Protect them as they go into another year. Shine upon them. Strengthen them. Sustain them. Use them. Glorify your name through them. May you equip them for all that is ahead of them. That they may honour you and live life fully as you've called us to. So Father, we pray your favour be upon us. This church... And every step we go into another year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.